Ensemble number 32, entitled Omar Sharif, and modeled by Chief's Defense Man, Billy Charles Boy, who hails from, if I can read the card here, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. This isn't a powder puff convention. Keep in mind that Ladies. the perfect accessory for the man in your life Excuse me, is... Game Misconduct with Dory and CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome to a new edition of Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Hello. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Game Miz with a Z Conduct. Um, later on, we're going to be joined by one of our new friends. I like to call her a friend. Yeah. She covers the um, Arizona Coyotes, amongst other things, uh, but she covers the Arizona Coyotes for The Athletic um, and is pretty much a badass. Yeah, she's awesome. Kat Silverman. Um, so we're going to speak with her in segment two and three, so make sure you stick around for that. Um, kind of preview the matchup uh, between the Arizona Coyotes and the Tampa Bay Lightning later this week. Kind of get some insight on a team that we don't see often and that just recently got like a giant fish yeah. added to their team. So, um, but let's talk about a couple things, some housekeeping items. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was listening to the block party with Dan Girardi, which I'm a huge fan. Number one, Dan Girardi, and now a huge fan of the podcast. I kind of wish they had asked me to host it, but that's okay. Oh, maybe, maybe if Seth Kushner is out sick, they see, maybe I can reach out to it. Seth and say, if you're sick, buddy, I gotcha. Big fan. But, uh, if you're sick. I'll pinch it for you. Yeah. Um, but they had Marty St. Louis on when he was in town for all the alumni stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting conversation. Was it? Yeah. Um, you kind of see a different side of Marty. I know him as the serious, you know, yeah, all business, amazing Hall of Famer hockey player. Did they? Yeah, they did. They played together on the Rangers. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, but it was Briefly. really in- yes, but it was really interesting to hear him talk about not only his career, but now life after hockey and mm-hmm. coaching his son's hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, so really an interesting conversation. So make sure you check that out. Um, Dan Girardi, the block party with Dan Girardi. So and every week there's an interesting conversation with somebody. Yeah. So he's and, an interesting guy, and I love like I thought it was just me. And my friend who would comment on um, how Alex Kalorn had trouble staying up on both feet all the time. <laughs> Apparently, it's it's a thing amongst the team, and they talk oh. about it a lot. They talk oh, about Alex Kalorn a lot on this podcast. They even had him on at uh-huh. one point. Well, he's having a tremendous year. He is having a tremendous year. And, and, and uh, really wild goal against Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. That, we're going would... to get into that. Yeah. It was, it was a game. That was a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then also, um, last week, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, on- Canucks honored the Sedin twins. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Bieksa gave like <laughs> a seven or eight minute speech. No notes. It was almost like a roast. Yeah, it was really funny. And I've heard parts of it. I'm going to sit down and watch the entire thing. I'm going to find it on YouTube. But... It was it was hysterical, like the parts I've heard, and it's all that people are talking about yeah, on like funny. sports radio right now. So if you haven't seen it yet, we'll try to find clips and tweet out a couple. Um, but really funny. He's, you know, he's he's a character. It you sounds think like. he's like posturing himself for like a gig somewhere, like Saturday Night Live or something, Comedy Central. I mean, <laughs> nobody probably would have thought Ray Whitney and Paul Bizanet would have wound up having like the one like the number. Two podcasts in the world, or some crazy that's, like that. That's true. I I love Paul Bissonnette. <laughs> I, 
he's a, he. Uh, did you read the article written about him? No. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to share it with everybody. Yes. Um, somebody from a Canadian paper went down to uh, Arizona, spent three days with him. Oh, wow. Um, basically talking about how he used to be mm-hmm. a tough guy. Yeah. Four line, you know, fourth liner. Yeah. And he's now like maybe possibly the most influential man in hockey media. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes, yeah. please share that with all of I us will. so we can read that. Um, also want to talk about this. A friend of mine sent this to me. <laughs> and it's. It's weird. It's wild. It's wild. It's from the star. And. It's talking about the NHL's possible stick shortage. Mm -hmm. And it's nearing the breaking point because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the headline is Marner has enough. Matthews isn't so sure. The NHL stick shortage is nearing the breaking point because of the coronavirus. So they're not saying that. NHLers are going to have to go buy their own sticks at like your local Dick Sporting Goods or something. No. But what they're saying is that they may have to, because most of them come from China. Yeah, like 75% of, right. of, of the sticks that NHL players use come from China. And the bulk of Chinese production has recently been halted in the attempt to limit the spread of coronavirus. Um, and players around the league have been told to ration their usage. <laughs> and this is, uh, we've told it could be a problem, said Jason Spezza. Uh, if it drags on for two months, who knows? So it's not on the same level of this possible world health. No, of course not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Crisis. Yeah. Um, and I mean, how do you like... How do you ration a stick? Like if you take a slap shot and it breaks, like mm-hmm. oh bar- oh darn, like right. you can't use that stick anymore if it's a it's a penalty. So I'm not really sure, but what they're saying is that they may have to use regular manufactured sticks that maybe like your kid may mm-hmm. use. I mean, they'd be the higher end. They would be, but still. And, and what they said. I'm trying to find it here in this article. What they said is it would be like if you were a golfer and they said, hey, you need to use this nine iron that we got at golf. Golf, Golfing is us or something like that. Mm -hmm. Some like retail store. Yeah. I mean, everything that they all those sticks are custom for those players. Yeah. Uh, as is their skates. I mean, those are all custom, you know, molded to their feet and, Mm -hmm. and everything. So it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that that many hockey sticks coming from China yeah. to begin with. I was like, what? Why yeah. Why do we have 75% coming from China? I guess, you know, these companies, that's where their manufacturing uh, factories are at. But, yeah, then to find out that they, you know, they're so heavily tweaked and, and mm-hmm. customized is, is really neat. I mean, we all know, like, Marty and the famous... You know, the famous yellow stick, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and, and you would always, when you were walking through the bowels of Anna and Emily Arena, you would always know Marty because it, it, he stick. had the yellow stick. Mm-hmm. And and so they when you're up close and personal, just like you do see like, oh, they're, none of them are alike. No. 
So here's the part I was looking for. One representative of stick manufacturer said this past week, we could end up having to use retail stock for pro players, which is not the ideal situation. It's like saying to a PGA Tour player, use this driver from Golf Town. Yeah, I know it's not the same one you're used to getting, but it looks the same, sort of. (laughs) So, you know, and everything is so meticulous. Um, Like you said, their skates are molded to their feet. Yeah. Uh, Sticks are basically molded to how they use them. Mm -hmm. Are they a defenseman? Are they Mm -hmm. a power forward? The curve. Some of them like the curve one way. Where do they shoot from? How often do they shoot? Um, How is the torque? You know, like how much, you know, force do they have on their their follow through? Um, So it could be interesting. So I'm really going to start paying attention when I'm at games because I sit behind the bench and how many times guys switch out sticks? Oh, yeah. How many are broken? Uh, what do they do with the broken? I mean, could they take the broken ones and try to mold them back together? I, I don't know enough about this. I don't think so. I think once they're broken, they're broken. I think so, too. But Things are trash or garbage. Yeah. But, you know, we might not see, you know, one of the things that some of the players do after games, if it's a bad game, sometimes they give their stick away. Mm-hmm. If it's a good, t- good game, sometimes they have a superstition and they give their stick away still to a fan. <laughs> Um, stop giving your sticks away. You they, may need them. Yes. So fans, stop asking for their sticks right now because they're probably not going to give them to you because uh, they have to ration their their sticks. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I never thought I... It's crazy that 75% of the sticks come from China. Yeah, that's what I was like. What? I would have thought like Toronto or something. Yeah, I would have... Yeah. Maybe we need to start our own hockey stick manufacturing plant <laughs> here in Florida. Eh? 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 Um, new business venture. Call us if you're interested in backing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the week that was. It was a busy week. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So the team started Monday uh, and Tuesday with the back-to-back Columbus and Pittsburgh with two to one wins back-to-back. I was, mm, we've been saying recently Uh that, uh, and I think it was, uh, it was, it was uh, Diana. Yes. Your host that uh, I brought this up last week too, but I'm going to say it again. She had said that she thought that possibly one of the reasons that the earlier goings of the season weren't as stellar, maybe, mm-hmm. is because they were trying to work out some things because they were looking at the long game. Mm-hmm. So while last year, absolutely, last season was phenomenal. It was history making, but it, but when it came down to it, and what mattered in that stretch of games in April. It didn't work out. Mm. So they were trying to, let's uh, fix this now. So moving ahead, we can make little tweaks as we need to. Let's get it. Let's just hit the nitty gritty, figure it out. Right. And some of those, you know, is like, oh boy, this team doesn't have a lot of chemistry. This team doesn't look like they know who they are. Well, that was all by design. Right. And now we're seeing it come to fruition. But I will tell you, that back-to-back with Columbus and Pittsburgh is when I went, oh, Oh. okay. (laughs) We're not, this is no joke. We're not messing around. We're not messing around. And it almost feels, and it's not true, but it does feel to a, in a bit that you look at those earlier games and you, it's almost. It makes sense. It clicks. It does. And it almost is like, they were like, we're the lightning. We are probably one of the most talented teams in the NHL. Calm down. We'll turn it on when we want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it seems now, <laughs> looking back. Like they, it was almost like the whole time they were like, "We'll flip the switch when we want." Yeah, and it's not true. Last but. year, you know, we always would say they might get behind in a game, mm-hmm. but they the next shift they'd come out, 
and they would have it in their head that they're going to score, and they would. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like they were doing that with entire games or mm-hmm. like the first part of the season. It's like, we got this. Just sit back and and relax. It's it's how it, like the perception. I mean, that's not no at all how it really went. But it yeah, the feels. perception is like they were like just toying with people. Yes, we're toying with your emotions. Um. So yeah. But, but the other interesting thing hmm. as of late is the hockey luck. The, you know, the puck luck? The puck luck has really come back. In spades. In spades, as I alluded to in the Alex Kalorn goal. Yes. Um, some injuries happened during that Pittsburgh game. Unfortunately. Um, so we were missing a lot mm-hmm. of players uh, when we were back home versus Edmonton on Thursday. Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov being mm-hmm. two of them. Um, but those kids really stepped up. Yeah. Uh, beating Edmonton 3-1. to one. Now, we had talked about in our last podcast when we were joined by our friend from Edmonton how we were really excited to see Connor McDavid on the ice. Uh, and he was out too. Yeah. So that might have helped a little bit. Uh, I don't know because... Um, boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Um, I'm losing his name. McDavid's... Uh, dry Saddle. There we go. Dry Saddle. That kid is something special. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like it, uh, you had said that you know you que- you questioned McDavid being you know like this generational type player because it you know there's something like missing sort of in in your opinion on him. But I will say this: I do think that the Lightning are getting the best from everybody right now. Oh, of course, they were all last season, and too. they were all last season. No matter who's building, if they're in our building or they're in their building, but people are coming into Tampa, you know, coming into our building. I think we have the best, or second best, or something like that, home record in yeah. the NHL this year, or something behind the, you know those people in Boston. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, it feels like everybody is like nobody's giving up mm. when they're playing the Lightning now. Mm-hmm. It feels like everybody's like, yeah, we got to, you know, play 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So without Stamkos and without Kucherev, I still think this is a really deep team. It is. And I wasn't sure about it until I had to see it against Edmonton. Yeah. So that was a big win. That felt not playoff like, but fun. Okay. In the stands. It was really fun. Like intense, but not like a nasty intense. Yes. Like a okay. Yes. Like a fun intensity. Not like Saturday with <laughs> Philly in town. Oh god. It was a fun intense. Yikes. I wasn't actually at the game on Saturday versus Philly, but my friend was, and she was like, I was on the edge of my seat. Did you see the video of the lady? What? Oh my gosh. A lady is sitting at uh, the glass uh-huh. when Stamkos gets into the scrum. Oh. And she's like yelling. Oh, yeah. Have I was watching her? it on TV and she's like, <laughs> nah, get, nah, get away from my play. It was great. I was like, oh, this lady's really People into were this. fired up. And, you know, there are normally a lot of Flyers fans in the building, too, which was no different than Saturday. So if fans get a, get a little into it. But they've been kind of crap. Late the, the last few playing, years. The last few years. Yeah, this year. This year, they're a very good team. And I think. as somebody who was born in the area code two one five, I can say this: it's quite interesting to me that when the Flyers aren't doing so well, their fans are a little quiet. Oh yeah. And then when they start doing well, it's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. But that first line of theirs. Oh gosh, I'm going to screw this up. Um, <laughs> Giroux. 
Voracek, and Couturier. Ooh, look at, look me. at you. That was good. Um, they are scary. They were terrifying. Yeah. And they were showing some highlights from other games where they were just imposing their will on other teams. And I was like, oh my gosh, our poor defensemen are going to have quite the task. They yeah. stepped up. Yep. Even with um, Eric Chernak getting a 10-minute misconduct at the beginning of the third period. Well, it was technically at the end of the second period, but it started on the right. beginning of the third period. So they were down f- to five defensemen because I think and, uh, Coburn was in the box yeah. serving a penalty, too. And, uh, and Chernak's not a guy you want to give up. No, but he was, I mean, I was watching the cover. I watched the entire game on TV. Mm-hmm. And Eric, uh, Brian Engblom, <laughs> between the benches, was like, this is a fun game, guys, because there was just <laughs> trash talk. The, almost the entire game back and forth, like guys chirping at each other across the bench. The lady the sitting lady ringside. Sitting, uh, I mean, ringside. Uh, ring, uh, ring it was ringside. almost like a boxing match. Yeah. Um, I was really hoping, oh goodness, and now his mind, his name escapes me, Konechny. I was really hoping somebody oh, was going to drop him. So bad. I was like, come on. Well, but Stamkos, kind of. It was, but I just wanted somebody to just lay him out. I'm sorry. That's probably not listen, the most. That's probably most not the, the 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 most politically correct thing to say. But you know what? But I just wanted somebody to lay him out and not hurt him, but lay him out. It takes a lot to get Steven Stamkos to the point where he wants to fight you. Yeah. It does. And he wanted... Yeah. It looked almost like he was like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah, he, like it was like, like, like what, knock what it is off. your problem? And then, like, the guy... Connectity... Connectney. Connectney keeps going at him, and it was just like... Yeah. Vasilevsky played a great game at the end. I was getting a little nervous at the end, because they did get two goals in the last couple minutes of the third period, but we held him off. That empty netter was nice. Vasilevsky... Is he's lights quite out right now. A goaltender. Yes, he's lights out right now. Um, oh, and I did want to mention something too. At the end of the Edmonton game, you know, um, uh, it they uh, pulled their goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got an odd man rush. Braden Point uh, got the puck, and he passed it to Cedric Paquette. Mm-hmm. It was just those two guys at that end of the ice. Braden Point could have taken that shot, no problem. Mm-hmm. But Cedric Paquette has had a goal drought lately, and he passed it to his teammate, and he put that puck in the net. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm not surprised by Braden Point doing that, because mm-hmm. Braden Point seems like a very unselfish player. Mm-hmm. That, to me, shows a team that is gelling well. Mm-hmm. It's not about, and this is very true of hockey players in general, but it's one of the reasons why I love the game so much, mm-hmm. is that you know what? I could take the shot and put it in and be no problem. But you know what? I'm going to pass it because there's no danger right here. And I'm going to let my teammate get that. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And I was like, I'm proud to be a lightning fan Yeah, because of things. And it's not, they're not the only team that does that. Sure. No. But it was really nice to see that. And then earlier in the game when Yanni Gord, was it in that game or the Pittsburgh game? I can't remember. But Yanni Gord has also had yes. a goal drought. Yep. And he scored a goal. I think it was the Pittsburgh game, wasn't it? The winning goal? Yes. And then he scored another goal in the Edmonton game. I know. It was, and just the reaction from the team on the bench was just awesome. And I was like, this is why I love this team. So that I just wanted to touch on those moments because when those things are happening and major players are out because of injury and guys step up and then there are unselfish plays happening on the ice. And then a guy, a couple guys who have not been scoring lately are scoring. 
Like, I just feel really good mm-hmm. about this team right now. And yeah. it's all happening at the right time. Yep. So, yep. it was I a mean, good week. <clears throat> I felt so good. And they're definitely the hottest team in the NHL. Yes. Uh, and people are starting to talk about them being the hottest and the scariest team again. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it just took a little bit of patience. And yeah. it looks like it was all by design. Mm-hmm. As our friend Diana said, it really does because things are clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pat Maroon has had a nice stretch of a few games. Yes, he has. You love that guy. I love Pat Maroon. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so... Uh, it was good. It yeah. was a good week. Um, it was a good week for the Lightning. Yes. And if you've been listening to Hockey Talk Radio, I'm sure you've, before we move on to our guest, Kat Silverman from Arizona Coyote, uh, who, who writes, who covers the Arizona Coyotes for the Athletic and is just an all-around badass, um, I would be remiss if we didn't mention yeah. um, probably one of the scariest things I've seen in a very long time yes. in this sport, in mm-hmm. any sport, uh, Jay Bomeister who plays for the Blues, um, suffered he, a cardiac incident on the bench yeah. during a game after yeah. a shift while in Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, Had it not been for the quick thinking of the Anaheim uh, medical staff? Well, the players, too, who were standing around. Yeah. Him. It was at the end of a shift. He comes down, he sits down, mm-hmm. and then he just collapses. Yeah, and you could see them waving medical staff over, but my goodness... Kudos to the Anaheim staff on that, on the medical staff, and St. Louis as well. But we learned from Dr. Rivera that when you travel, you it is the uh, home team. It's their staff that you use. Yeah. So, you know, huge kudos yeah. to Anaheim for, for being that. I mean, I think Anna, the, both staffs yeah. really clearly saved his life. Yeah. And then, you know, they canceled the game. Yeah. The rest uh, of the game. The rest of the game. Yeah. They're gonna re- they're gonna make it up at another time. Basically, those players saw their teammate die on mm-hmm. the bench. Yeah. Um, and being brought back to life. So kudos yeah. on them. They did play their next away game. I think it was in Vegas, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, according to TMZ Sports, um, and uh, on Friday of last week, St. Louis GM Doug Armstrong revealed that he had a uh, Bowmeister had an implantable cardioverter defibrillator placed in his chest. After the incident, to prevent a similar issue from happening to, again, um, it restores the heart's normal rhythm, and um, Bowmeister is reportedly doing well. Good. Um, One of the, the surgery, good guys. Everybody loves Jay yeah, Bowmeister. Um, it's Everybody. not a minor surgery, so you know there's no timetable on mm. when he'll be back. It's more about his health and recovery. Um, but just probably one of the scariest things I think I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Probably, you know, when a skate goes up in somebody's yeah, face gosh, or a yeah. stick, you know, slices somebody's face, those are probably the scariest. But I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this before. No. Um, at least. In- I haven't. But we're happy he's doing well. Yep. Uh, congrats. You know, this just shows how important those support staffs are for any team. Anywhere, and their quick response. Yeah. Um, so, congratulations to them on a quick response and being able to um, do what they did. Yeah. And we just wish the best of luck to Jay Bomeister and his family uh, as he recovers. Yes. All right. So, 
this is called a transition in the business, and I have no idea how to transition, but we're going to uh, take a quick break and come back with our guest. Uh, she covers the Arizona Coyotes for The Athletic, amongst other amazing things, and we'll get into that next with our guest, Kat Silverman. It's Chicks with Sticks. How dare you? Uh, I said sticks. You feel shame, you know? This is Game Misconduct with Dorian CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Hey. And we are joined by our guest today. Dory, would you like to intro our esteemed guest? Oh, yeah. We're really, really excited to have um, her on. She covers the Arizona Coyotes for The Athletic. Kat Silverman joins us. Hi, Kat. We are so, so appreciative of you to come on today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Um, so how can everybody, first of all, find you on Twitter? Um, because you're pretty active and you talk about a whole wide, fun range of stuff. Um, they can find me at Kat M. Silverman, uh, Kat with a C. Uh, just look for the person with a, with a small child in their, in their <laughs> profile pic and that's, that's me. Um, so we, again, we're really excited you're joining us. Um, this time, uh, the, the, these teams are meeting. Didn't quite work out last time, but it happens. It's not the end of the world. We're just glad we, we were, like, so we're playing uh, the second game, and we were like, oh, maybe Kat will join, <laughs> is able to join us this time. Um, so first and foremost, first of all, um, you, along with working at The Athletic and covering the Coyotes, uh, you've also, you contribute to Inkwell Magazine, um, and your work's been featured on NHL.com and Yahoo, but I'll be honest, you're a, you're, you're a bit of a badass, um, in the sense that you're not just a writer, but you're also a goaltender, and you've coached with the Coyotes Department of Hockey Development and USA Hockey. Uh, we see more and more women getting into writing and broadcasting side over the last decade or so, and I believe the sport, the female uh, hockey has grown, I want to say, like 37% over the last decade. Um, but we haven't heard a lot about the women who play and work in player development. Uh, can you talk to us about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so I started started coaching basically when a, a good buddy heads the Coyotes Hockey Development Department, and uh, he's in this unbelievable things, not just for the game in general, but for the women's game. Um, he, every time they went out to a school to coach, anytime they had a clinic, he said that he really wanted to make sure that there was a woman on the coaching staff, and he was like, I know I'd rather have it be 50-50, but that's realistically right now, just based on the numbers, that's not super feasible yet, so I at least want to make sure that there's one of you at every every event um would you like to join join the staff essentially so i have more women to 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 pull from each each event and i said sure and went out to to various schools and to various events and really it was it was probably one of the most fun jobs i've ever had it was just teaching kids in arizona which you guys i believe are based out of tampa bay correct Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah and so similar demographics where a lot of the kids either have families that are new to hockey or their family doesn't know anything about hockey. You know, they, they never played growing up. It's not like it's not like Canada or New York or Minnesota where everybody grew up playing and their grandparents grew up playing. So really you get to teach these kids how to play for the first time. And 
it was just so fun getting to not just teach the little boys, but the little girls how to how to hold a stick and how to play and just the, the basics of how to get into the game. And, and they fell in love with it so fast. So, so that's really how I, how I got into that. And uh, when I had my daughter, I backed off from coaching for a bit because uh, I, I feel like babies at hockey rinks aren't, aren't super <laughs> conducive. And so getting back into it slowly but surely now that she's old enough to walk around. But but yeah, that's that's sort of the backstory there. And so when did you actually start playing? Were you like really young or did you pick it up later on? Yeah, my, uh, my family is actually from the Toronto area on my mom's side. And so ah. I believe the first picture of me on skates, I'm like three. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, it's been a while. All right, so the All-Star Weekend um, last year saw the introduction, um, you know, of Kendall Coyne-Schofield coming in on board and, and, and women participating in some fun, cool the skill competition. And this past um, All-Star Weekend, there was the big three-on-three game between U.S. Uh, women and Canadian women hockey. Um, and then uh, Hillary Knight also, uh, and I'm really, I have a bone to pick with the NHL about this, but I, I'll leave that so it doesn't, like, I don't want to entangle you in my a- anger about this. But Hillary Knight and Marie-Philippe Poulon also participated in the Shooting Stars competition. Unfortunately, I don't think they got a little, uh, a, a lot of uh, press about that, considering uh, where Poulon finished in, I think she was like fourth or fifth. Um, but is the NHL practicing what they preach in their hockey is for everyone, do you think? Um, and do you think that we'll see more women maybe taking jobs in, in hockey beyond media? Um, so, obviously, like you said, we want to we tread carefully there because there are a lot of people who really are doing the right things there. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's, it's almost case by case. Mm-hmm. There are groups that are practicing what they preach. You know, the Coyotes, like I said, they... Um, the guy who runs their hockey development department, Matt Schott, has already spearheaded an entire top-to-bottom girls program, you know, starting with the learn-to-skate all the way up through high school. Nice. And so they now have teams for every age group that are sponsored by the Coyotes wow. that play. And it's just girls' teams, you know, so they don't have to have to join the boys' teams and, you know, sometimes feel like they don't belong or, like, they have to try to be the very best on the team just to get recognized. And so... He's doing a great job with it. The Anaheim Ducks are doing something very similar. The Kings are doing something mm-hmm. similar. I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay, uh, I know that um, Lexi, Lexi LaFleur-Brown, JT Brown's wife, used to be pretty active in that. Mm-hmm. They're doing a good job of it. Um, the Florida Panthers have tried to do a good job with it. You know, there are teams that are. And then I think that there are still parts of the league that aren't. Mm-hmm. I think they're saying that they'll do well, and then and then they're really sort of radio silent. And mm-hmm. so... I think you're right. You know, there wasn't a ton of press around Hillary Knight and Marie Philippe, Marie Philippe Poulin doing well. I think mm-hmm. that it was it was almost like like they were thrown in there as an afterthought. And we've yeah. seen that happen so many times over the last couple of years where they've added women to certain skills events at the last second just because they realized that they, they needed to do something. And mm-hmm. so... I think there's still there's still more that needs to be done just from a recognition standpoint and I think there's still more that could be done from a hiring standpoint. Okay. Um, I think that they're still not once again as consistent as they could be, but I think we'll see more and more women getting hired over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I think it's going to be case by case. I think that certain teams are very much practicing what they preach and then others are kind of staying in the shadows and not really not really trying to get involved until they're told that they have to. 
No. Okay. And, uh, yeah. It, I, when I when I was watching the Shooting Stars competition, and I just I just want to add this is what my irritation is is when Poulin finished like fourth, I want to say fourth or fifth, and it was like oh, okay, we're just going to talk about Patrick Kane, and it was I was just like oh, really because you know she scored fifteen points and Knight scored fourteen points, which tied with a whole bunch of guys, and I just felt like you know we the women have the same. In, in many cases of hockey, the same exact skill sets we saw, you know, in the fastest skater let. And I just felt like, you know, we can't maybe talk about that a little more aside from, you know, Patrick Kane. I don't know. That was just my like, you know, whatever. And then I won't even get into the fact about the pay. I won't oh, even talk don't. about the pay. I won't even get into that. Um, so you brought up earlier, um, you know, Phoenix is a non-traditional hockey town. So is Tampa Bay. Um, we're big fans of, of supporting non-traditional uh, markets and, and especially, you know, the the underdogs. And the Coyotes um, have been both. They found some success this year, uh, and they're obviously non-traditional. Um, tradi- uh, historically, it's been tough for them, I want to say. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm trying to, like, put it nicely. But it seems like this year, maybe the last two years, it's been a big turn in that in your market in which people are getting involved. The community is getting involved. Uh, do you see that as well? Absolutely. And that's, once again, I think it goes back to practicing what you preach you know the league get all the credit in the world to the league you know they kept the coyotes alive when when their former owner i think we're dating back like 13 or 14 years now wanted to just sort of disband the team Mm -hmm. move them up north the league kept them afloat but but just sort of kept them on life support and it's it's really been an ownership thing where once they've gotten stable ownership there's been money put into marketing into okay. grassroots programs there's been all the learn to skate programs the hockey development getting the kids wanting to come out to games and now they they actually have a program called growlers they have a they have the little howlers which is the kids who are learning to skate Aww. and then now they have growlers which is it's an adult learn to skate program oh. and that's that's the kind of financial investment that you need to make in these non-traditional markets because a lot of people do feel alienated when they mm-hmm. go to a sport where maybe they don't look like everyone there or there are lots of snowbirds in town talking about how they've been cheering for their team for 50 years and you're someone who doesn't really know which end of the ice you're supposed to be heading towards right, right. so they're they're doing everything they can both from a from a marketing standpoint and from a financial standpoint of just making sure that people know that even if you're not familiar with hockey the team wants you. You know, the team wants your support, and the team supports you. And 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 sort of going along with that, you know, the team's finally a cap spender. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. that that uh, we 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 can't understate what good financial investments on the ice do. You know, you can you can market the heck out of a team. You can you can have the fans that have been there for fifty years. And if you're the Ottawa Senators and you're not spending on the ice, you know, you're you're not going to get the turnout. So. They've they've brought in Taylor Hall. He cost them right. a little bit there. They brought in Phil Kessel. He cost them a little bit. They paid for Auntie Ronta and Darcy yep. Kemper. They you know mm-hmm. they they invested money in making sure that those two stuck around, and they invested money in their up and comers like Jacob Chicker and mm-hmm. Oliver Ekman Larson, who I think is no longer an up and comer. He's my age, so he's almost thirty, and that's. That's that's a little frightening, but you know he was when he was thinking about you know do I go to free agency or do I do I stick around? They paid 
yeah. they paid up and they said, you know, stick around, we'll make sure that it's worth your while. And, and that I think has been what, what gets people out. You know, they're, you, you have to put money in to, to get success. And I think that's what they've been doing. Well, yeah, if you see the ownership investing in their product, then I, as a spectator, will invest in your product. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So is is the fact that they started kind of opening up the pocketbook a little bit the catalyst for um, the success? I want to say that when I say the success the Coyotes have had, when people look at the maybe look at the standings and they're like, oh, OK, well, they're in a wild card. But it's a really, really, really tight race in the Pacific Division. And I honestly think it's it could be anybody. Um, and we yeah, know it's. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's really close. And, and in fact, I think they're actually, you know, the Coyotes are actually tied with the third play. I mean, it's really, really a tight race. At one point, I went, they were like second in the division, third in the division. Um, so it's anybody's, get, you know, game right now um, as far as a playoff berth from that, that division. Do you, do you attribute it to all these moves that they're making in the offseason? And, and Taylor Hall was a huge, huge get. That one was so exciting. I, uh, <laughs> I, I try not to to get too fanist about the teams that I'm covering. You know, I've I've covered the Vancouver Canucks in the past. I've covered the Bruins in the past. I try to, you know, I try to stay impartial regardless, but it was so exciting <laughs> to watch a team that I watched win the lottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, right. they were a bottom five team mm-hmm. almost every year that I covered them. And they not only had the success on the ice to be a buyer, but we're able to sway a player enough that he really seemed intrigued to come here. Yeah. To get a guy like Taylor Hall, you know, he, he wants to win. He's sick of losing. Yeah. <laughs> he lost a lot in Edmonton and then he started to lose a lot in Jersey too. Yep. And so he wants to win and he, and Phil Kessel, I mean, that's one still really had to, had to wave that no trade clause. He had to, He'd, he'd sort of made it so that he could go where he wanted to go, and and he wanted to come to Arizona. And that's, I think it's the off-season moves that they've made skill-wise, mm-hmm. but I think it's also the culture. Mm. You know, they not not to put too fine a point on it, but they're no longer bringing in Mike Ribeiro. Mm. They're no longer bringing in guys who maybe aren't going to emulate the culture that they want to show, and so. They're making sure that they have guys who want to be there and who want to support each other and who really want to bring the whole team up and the whole community up. And that's, that's I think, a big part of it, too. All right, we're going to take a quick break with Kat Silverman from The Athletic and covers the Arizona Coyotes and come back with more game misconduct. Stick around. It's Chicks with Sticks. How dare you? Uh, I said sticks. You feel shame, you know. This is Game Misconduct with Dorian CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Don't forget you can follow us at Game Miz with a Z Conduct on Twitter and on Facebook. And we are joined by our guest, Kat Silverman, who writes for The Athletic for the Arizona Coyotes and a plethora of other things. She's just basically a badass. So what do, in your opinion, what have you seen that Kessel and uh, Hull really bring to the organization this season, um, you know, especially for young guys like Clayton Keller? Yeah, I mean, I mean, aside from, you know, being, is it that wilt? Is it the need and the hunger? And, like, we have to win. Is that their biggest uh, contribution aside from the skill that they bring on the ice? Yeah, I think it's 
You know, I thought it would be, but it's actually, it's, and, and I, I think we all talk too much about experience, but it's, it's the experience and not just the experience of being in the playoffs because they've both been, you know, they've both seen playoff action before, but it's the experience of bouncing back from bad games. Mm. It's the experience of scoring goals. <laughs> this is a team that had a lot of trouble putting the puck in the net. Yeah. And they brought in two guys who kind of know how to do that and who know how to find open spaces on the ice and who know how to pass and who know how to receive passes. And it's just those little things that I think a coach can explain it to you, mm-hmm. but you need to have it shown to you by somebody with talent, like with natural talent. And that that's not to disrespect the other leaders that they have on the ice. You know, I love Brad Richardson and Derek Stepan and, and these other guys who emulate what a good leader should be, but bringing in just pure offensive talent and experience with being offensively talented, I think that that they have sounding boards for guys like Clayton Keller and Christian Dvorak and Lawson Krauss and these guys who really just needed someone to, to guide them and guide them with, I can tell you what to do because I've done it. And so I think that that has been a huge help for them. You know, they've put their offensive up-and-comers on lines with these guys. Phil Kessel's on a line with Lawson Krauss. Taylor Hall's been on a line with uh, Christian Dvorak and Connor Garland. And so it really just it, it provides that, that knowledge that I think the team for too long was bringing in character veterans, and I think that they finally brought in talented veterans with character, and I think that that's Ooh, really like been that. the biggest difference. All right, so next next Saturday, the Lightning and the Coyotes will meet. Uh, it'll be the second and final time this season until next year. What do you expect uh, or anticipate that you're going to see in this matchup? Uh, maybe that you that, that the Coyotes will have... Uh, maybe worked on since the last meeting or what do you, what do you matchups are you excited to see? Um, I'm excited about this one because the Coyotes, if there's anything they're not doing right this year, it's that they're playing to their opponent's level. Ah, So like when they played the Ottawa senators, they, they got their stuff kicked in (laughs) when they played the Detroit red wings, they struggled a little bit. And so, but when they play, like last night, they played the Washington Capitals, and they beat them 3-1. Yep. to one. Right. They played the Montreal Canadiens. They beat them. They almost beat Boston. I believe they beat – they almost beat Toronto. Like, they they did the right things against the good teams. And I consider the Tampa Bay Lightning a very scary team. And so I'm excited to see it because I think it's going to force the Coyotes to play the way that they're supposed to. Okay. More so than when they play the teams that are sort of out of the playoff picture right now. Um I think it's always fun to watch how how the team's younger defensive core guys like Jacob Chikrin, Jordan Osterley, Ilya Labushkin, how they go up against the sheer offensive talent that Tampa Bay has. Um, I think that Nikita Kucherov in general is probably one of the most fun guys to watch. Steven mm-hmm. Stamkos is a delight. Um, and then just the goaltending battle. Yeah. For me, that's always fun. Uh I, I'm hoping it'll be Andre Vasilevsky. It might end up being, I believe it's Curtis McElhinney who's mm-hmm. the backup, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he's fun too, but I, I'm hoping it's Vasilevsky just, just <laughs> so we can see really quality goaltending on both ends of the ice. And speaking of that, uh, what is the latest on Kemper, if you know? I wish we knew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got 
after, you know, middle of December, he was supposed to be back before the All-Star game. Obviously, right. that got pushed back. Um, he was supposed to play, I think it was last week, and then re-injured himself during morning skate. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, push. yeah. We're hoping he's healthy, just because as good as Auntie Ranta is, yeah, um, he's yeah. a little breakable. Mm. Um, so we'd like to see, we'd like to see a little more support there with just having a, a tandem back. But yeah, my guess is that he'll be ready. Maybe I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say anything confidently because it never seems to go that way. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, just just based on the timeline we were given initially, he should be ready soon. And that'll be exciting, especially uh, if you're a Coyotes fan uh, or just a fan of hockey in general. Because at one point, Ranta and Kemper were like the best tandem uh, in hockey to start the uh, goaltending to start the season. So it'll be exciting to see. And it seems like um, I know we have to let you go, but it really does seem, and you're the goal, a goaltender specialist, that the league seems to be going with this two two goalie type thing. We've seen um, the Edmonton Oilers do it. Uh, the the Lightning have played McElhaney a lot more. Um, this year than uh, I think a lot of people expected. It, it seems like that's just kind of the way they're going. Maybe teams are just looking at the long run and going, you know, we need to save our goalies a little bit more. I'm not sure, but I'm enjoying it. I like it. I sure hope so. You know, you look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup over the last handful of years, mm-hmm. and whether by accident or by intent, the teams that are making it the farthest are the ones that are really giving their goaltender that they plan to play in the playoffs enough rest. Mm -hmm. Mm Because if you look at when the Capitals overworked Braden Holtby, they kept getting upset in the early rounds. And Mm -hmm. finally, when they, you know, split him up a little more, when they gave Philip Grubauer a nice healthy run down the stretch, Holtby was ready for the playoffs. And they won a Stanley Cup finally. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bruins made it to the Stanley Cup final last year with, one of those other goaltending tandems that I think is just lethal, you know, Tuukka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, other teams are starting to pick up on it. Um, I think that teams were sick of paying for quality goaltending and then hurting it. The only team <laughs> that seems to not really have figured that out is Toronto. Um, <laughs> so we'll see if uh, we'll see if their trade for Jack Campbell changes that. But yeah, for the most part, teams are. They're just giving their goalies the rest that they need and the way that the position's played now. I think it's it's impossible to play that 60, 70, 80 game run throughout the year and then head into the playoffs, which is, you know, 100% all the time and, and expect these guys to be healthy and and good enough to win. And so I think that teams are just kind of kind of cluing in on that a little bit more. Well, Kat, speaking with you, to use a word you used earlier, has been a delight. We have been looking forward to it, um, and we're really excited to see these two teams match up on the ice. Uh, Remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter and uh, all your articles. Of course, they can find me on Twitter at Kat M. Silverman. That's Kat with a C. And they can find me at Ingle Magazine. They can find some of my stuff at The Athletic. They can find me at uh, Elite Prospects. They can... They can find my, my spiciest takes are usually on Twitter, though. That's, that's where they'll find the fun. I like it. I like it. Thank you so much for joining us, and enjoy the weather in Arizona, and we'll catch you soon. Thanks. Sounds good. That was so cool having Kat on. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting uh, if you listen to her uh, talk about the Coyotes organization it mirrors the Tampa Bay Lightning in a way. Yeah, it's so funny because she was like, you know, the the organization's putting money into the team and they're doing all these community hockey things. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like the Lightning like eight years ago. Yeah. 
or 10 years ago when Mr. Vinnett came in. Yeah. And, you know, she said it's all about the ownership and where they're willing to put money and their efforts. And we've been saying that for, you know, since Mr. Vinnett bought the team. Like, look at what he's done yeah. uh, to hockey in Tampa Bay. Um, all the community events, the the new roller ho- or what's that ball hockey ball ranks. hockey rinks that they're op- they've been opening this week during the, hockey bay hockey week in Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. the the actual ice rinks that they've yep. improved upon. We've had the women. Yep. Uh, train facility over in Wesley Chapel. Mm-hmm. It's one thing after another, and it's and people want to be here. Yeah, players want to play here. People want to cover this team, and it sounds like that's what's happening in Arizona, and that's awesome. It's cool because they really. Trying to put it nicely, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, we thought we had some dark ages here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had a, a, a 25 years they've been in Arizona now, and it feels like the first 20 of those were like rough. That. It, it was, was rough. It was rough. There were always, you know, rumors. Are they going to move the team? Are they going to get them out of Arizona? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? They went from Phoenix Coyotes to the Arizona Coyotes. NHL owned them at one point. Yeah. So wow. Good for them for getting it together. I mean, really, honestly. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Rick Tockett. He was a coach here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a big fan of what he's done with the Arizona Coyotes out yeah. there and super excited for him. You know, uh, a lot of talent. A lot of, well, yeah, they just upped that talent pool with Taylor Hall. You go back to, geez, I think it's like 2017 in the offseason when they made that uh, trade for Derek Sapan and Ante Ranta, New York. Mm-hmm. When they, they traded actually D- Tony D'Angelo. There's yes. a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like that's when things started to, I want to say, click a little bit. Yeah. Uh, their power um, penalty kill has been one of the best in the league the last two plus seasons. So yeah. mm. good for them. I like it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that this will be the last time we see them. I'm thinking maybe. Ooh, look at I don't that. know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but she has a great point. The Lightning, and there's another mirrored. The Lightning, for the longest time, were synonymous with playing to their opponent. I know. I was like, wow, (laughs) I feel like I've heard that before. (laughs) It's just really interesting to see the parallels there. Yeah. So, super excited, and I'm super excited because I'm going to go to Arizona for the first time and go to the game. I've never been to Arizona. Kind of excited. Um, My parents go, like, every year. Really? Yeah, I hear it's a big... I hear it's beautiful. Yeah, they they it's a love dry it. heat. Yeah, it's a, and they say it gets cold at night, even in yes. the summer. Yes. So, um, but yeah, I'm super excited to go to Vegas, and then we leave at 6:30 in the morning on Friday after the game in Vegas the mm-hmm. night before. It's very early, but it was like a $45 flight. So goodness, cheap, yeah. cheap, cheap. You can but, do it. Um, I was I was telling my friends because I'm like, okay, the game is Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Why even go to sleep? Let's go to the slots. Let's go to see a show. Like, it's Vegas. It doesn't sleep. And then just stumble to the airport. You say that. And I'll be asleep by 10. (laughs) I'll be like, I'm so tired. Can we stop at Shake Shack and I can get a burger and then go to sleep? Yeah. Um, I told my friends I want to sleep in my clothes for the airport the next morning. (laughs) Because I am not an early riser. You're not. I do not like it. But I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a fun game. And then every game in Vegas is fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited. If anyone's going and you see me on the plane, like, say hi. I might it. be cranky, but we're going to come back from Arizona. I think our flight gets in at like 1 a.m. on Monday night or Monday morning, technically. Uh huh. We're taking the red eye. So 1 a.m. our time? Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, I guess it's better than 1 a.m. mountain time. True. But I will not be at work the next day. I, I didn't. Took that fi- day I off. figured so. <laughs> 
I know myself. So, yeah. So, Vegas Thursday. Um, Vegas Thursday. Vegas Thursday. They've had some interesting stuff. I mean, yeah. we saw them come into town, was it a couple weeks ago? Yep. And it was an interesting game. They're a heavy team. Heavy, 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 heavy. They throw their weight around. They do. It reminds me of the Philadelphia Flyers game that we just saw. Mm. Um, maybe a little less tic-tac-y. <laughs> Gosh. But uh. a little heavy. Um, and then Arizona, I think that'll be a skill game. I think it will honest. be. Yeah. And and all those teams in the Pacific now, like we talked about with Cat, man, that is a tight race. Yeah. Tight, tight, tight. It is literally anybody's guess who's going to come out of that division. Yeah, I got to pull that up here. It's crazy. It's very tight. It. It's like 66 points, 67 points, 68. It's tight. And and who would have thought that Vancouver would be at the top Ugh. right now? Yeah. But, you know, uh, you, you, the Lightning, it's... If the... If Who would have thought Nashville would have been out of it at this I know. point? Gosh, this is crazy. And the West has been a little wacky this year. I feel the East is very predictable. This is kind of a predict- predictable who's at the top is who you expect to see. Right, it's right. Washington. It's Boston. It's Tampa Bay. That's who you expect to see. But, man, the West is wild. A lot The wild, wild West? Yeah. Um, a I, lot of the teams mm. that we have seen at the top of the Pacific in the last couple of years are now all at the bottom. It's like yeah. they've completely flipped almost. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, wow. So it'll be a, definitely a good game. Um, I Phil Kessel, uh, listen, Taylor Hall is just fun to watch. He's a great player. Just fun to watch. Yeah. So I, I like the skill set. I like the skills of these two teams matching up together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll see. Um, Lightning are undefeated against Pacific Division. Yeah. This is a <laughs> long road trip, though. Or it not, is. It's not that long. It's it not, just feels long. Because they have two th- days off in why. Vegas yep. after the Colorado game. Like, do you so. really want to have your team with two days off in Vegas? Well, you have a day to run around and have fun, and then a day to recover from whatever that fun was. But here's the thing. These guys are professional athletes. They are playing at the top of their division right now. They are playing at the top of their game. They're veterans. They're veterans. They're, you know, I would hope that they would know better. Oh, um, listen, I don't think anybody's going to act up. Anyway, so that is the next week. And then we're back home uh, for... Five home games in a row. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Toronto, Chicago, Calgary. Uh, Calgary is right there in that tight race, too, as we yep. speak. Boston, Ugh. Montreal. <laughs> Just, I know. Ugh. Ugh. Boston, Montreal. And then uh, we go away to Boston. Yeah. Uh, the beginning of March. Right. Um, also, take note of this. I'm seeing this on my uh, schedule on the Tampa Bay Lightning app. That the game against Boston on March third, uh, mm-hmm. most of the weekday games this year has started at seven. Yeah, this is a weird one, right? This one's starting at seven thirty. Okay. So even if you show up and think the game's starting at seven, you're there early, but just know that. Um, but usually Boston games are very, 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 very well attended, and we mm-hmm. all know what parking has been like in downtown. So maybe you want to get there at seven. <laughs> um, but just kind of keep that in mind as you look forward to the next couple weeks. Uh, of games at Amelie Arena. Um, and there have been, a yeah, I mean, the Flyers game on Saturday was a 4 o'clock start, and our next Saturday home game against Calgary is also a 4 o'clock start. I don't like those 4 p.m. starts. Hey, and then there's a back-to-back at home again in March. Yeah, well, I mean, when you have 16 back-to-backs in a season. 
And then there's another back-to-back at the end of March. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. At home. Mm-hmm. Usually they're like home and away. I know, yeah. So weird. That's yeah. a lot yeah. for me to go to the arena. I can yeah. only imagine playing 60 minutes of hockey <laughs> back-to-back. So anyway, so yeah, if you're at, if you're at the game in Arizona or you're the game in Vegas and you see me, I'm going to be wearing a blue sequin bomber jacket. Oh. I She's bought a different one. Out. I bought a different one. Oh, I you got a new one. Because the first one I bought, it was like one of those mermaid ones yeah. where if you went one way, it was silver. If you went the other way, it was blue. Mm-hmm. I wanted a straight blue bomber jacket. Okay. So my friend and I, we have matching blue sequined bomber jackets. So I'll be the redhead in the blue sequin bomber jacket amongst all the gold ones in the Vegas Golden Knights game. Oh, that's right. That's, that's where why, you got the that's idea why we're from. Taking them. Yep, I forgot. That's where you guys to, got the idea from. I need to find a way to get a giant lightning logo like <laughs> patch that I can like have stitched on the back. Oh. I need to figure that out. Okay. Because that would just take it up a notch. Right. Preparing for later this season. Yes. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for our guest, Kat Silverman, uh, for joining us as well. Uh, Dory, anything before we wrap up? Nope. Just go lightning. Go Lightning. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week.